Morning, church. So glad to be opening God's Word with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, please turn to James chapter 1 with me. My name is Brandon, and that was Wade. I am Brandon Owen. That was Wade Owens. Sometimes people switch those last names. Wade pastors our Nolensville campus. You can call me whatever you want to, and I will respond with a smile. Uh, It has been a joy. I appreciate Susan alluding to the sermon series we are in, and and I believe it's connected to the one we came out of in August out of Deuteronomy. These last eight weeks have been really fun to be in. I hope you'll check out some of the resources we have on our website related to the August series, uh, especially you parents, and then also uh, the master class videos that we put together uh, associated with our September series. Stick to God's Word. That's good. And I want you to know, as we move into what James has to say this morning to us, that that is so true, but I care very little, not not but, and I care very little as your pastor and as a fellow traveler with you in this journey that we're on, how much anyone else in the world knows about how much we read our Bibles or how much we stick to God's word. The proof in this is in how much we look like Jesus on the other end of it. That's what matters. Zero time defending how much time we spend in prayer or in the word. We just do that. What matters is how much we look like Jesus on the back end of it. I think James would resonate with that. Now, before we get into our text, we're going to start in verse 19. But the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, God's law, we've talked a lot about this the last few weeks since August, um, given to the Israelites through Moses, first the Ten Commandments, and then 613 more laws for them to understand what God is like and how they should live in light of who God is and what God is. Is like. Now, I think the Torah can be effectively described as uh, the, you know, the way we're to live, the rule of life, so to speak. In their everyday lives, the Israelites were called to be people who, who lived well by this rule of life. So in this sense, Torah helped them, it helped define their lives, church. So my question for us today in light of what the law meant for the people of God then, well, is that question for us? What is the law, what does God's word mean, God's rule of life mean for the people of God now? And that's you and me. What does it mean to live as a Christian church? Do you think about this? Do you ever consider what it really means to live as a Christian answer that question well, we will look like Jesus on the other end of it. I recall something I heard a renowned uh, preacher, pastor say once upon a time. He, he said, when I was in my late teens, I wanted to be a preacher. When I was in my late twenties, I wanted to be a very good preacher. And now that I am much older, I want more than anything else to be a Christian, to live simply, to love generously, to speak truthfully, to serve faithfully and leave everything else, leave everything else to God. 
What does it mean to live as a Christian church at Harpeth Heights? Well, it means to live by this rule of life, which has been fulfilled. We just sang about it. It's been fulfilled and completed in Jesus, by Jesus. All the law can be summed up in these two things Jesus once said, to love God and love one another. And it is God alone through Jesus that gives us the ability to, ru- to live out this rule of life. And as we live it out, church, listen, as we live it out, we get better at it. We really do. I don't know that it gets easier, but our, but our lives well up in, in fullness and we do get better at it. We get more mature. Our, our growth as James is going to tell us, produces actual deeds. The proof becomes in the pudding, as they say. I love pudding. It's in our works. And our works ultimately exemplify Jesus' life. So let's, let's look in the text together. We're going to be- begin in verse 19 in James chapter 1. And we're going to go through quite a bit of scripture today, but... Our base text will be here in James. Writer of James begins in verse 19 by saying, My dear brothers and sisters, understand understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, should be slow to speak, should, should be slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Now, Stop there for a moment. The writer of James has a whole lot to say in four chapters about, maybe five, about what it means to live as a Christian. And this letter is filled with imperatives, with directives, and they could all begin as verse 19 begins with these two words preceding them. Understand this. Understand this. Now, in our world today, where so much of what we know about one another is from the pages of social media. You know I'm right. How about this directive for us today? Quick to listen? Slow to speak? Slow to anger? Now, James doesn't live in our day. Obviously, he wrote this a long, long time ago. And James could not even, I don't believe, foresee the future when he wrote this. So maybe things have always kind of been like they are. Because that's just the way that people are quick to anger. The Lord knows I am. So a corporate time of confession is important, particularly for me as we gather and worship. But anger never accomplishes setting things right, church. At least not anger alone. At least not anger that is out of proportion, but, but listening and, and being listened to well, that can actually accomplish circumstances that, that emulate God's righteousness, getting us further along the road to, to looking like Jesus. Not just people who desire to be seen as somebody who wants to look like Jesus or says that, but somebody who actually looks like Jesus. Verse 21. Therefore, Ridding yourselves, extricating yourselves, moving away from all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive, humbly receive the implanted word, 
which is able to save your souls. There's a choice here, church at Harpeth Heights. There's a choice. The writer of James wants us to, to put away, to rid ourselves. Uh, Paul says it in Ephesians, like put away, putting away all falsehood. To remove ourselves from the situation. That's good counsel, isn't it? Somebody's getting on your nerves. Just remove yourself from the situation. I think Leslie Ann does that a lot, come to think of it. (laughs) Put away what the world offers. Receive the word. Hebrews had a fantastic leader, Joshua. Joshua said in in chapter 24, verse 15, some famous words that you likely will recognize, but they're worth noting here. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living? As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. Putting away what the world offers and receiving the word because you cannot have both. James goes into it a little later in chapter 4, verse 8. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and and God will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see, it's it's natural for us to have one foot over here and one foot over here. And we try to straddle the world, what it has to offer and and what God has to offer. Double-minded. But what does it mean to live as a Christian church? To not be this way. To receive the implanted word and to stave off what the world so easily will offer us. Let's continue in our passage. Look at verse 22. James gets right to the point. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and, and not a doer, he he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror for he looks at himself. He goes away and he immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. Well, this person will be blessed In what he does. This person will be blessed. In what he does. See we're talking. James is talking about repetition here. Repetition. Study in scripture. Living it out. Going back to study it. Living it out. Maturing. Growth. Time spent in our groups. Time spent with one another. Time spent with God. Alone. This enhances our ability to remember. In the image of the mirror, I think it needs to be, or it needs to stick with us. And perhaps you might be someone this morning who, who would say, I, yes, I believe. You would emphatically say, I, I really do believe in Jesus. But then you give no evidence at all in your life that you do. Maybe James is, is juxtaposing here in this image he's giving us, those folks who, who look in the mirror 
And then those who look intently into the word of God, the the person looking in the mirror, perhaps really just wanting to look inside themselves for truth. Whereas the alternative being that we, we look for the rule of life displayed through the person of Jesus, as we talked about last week, who is speaking to us from scripture so that we can become more like him. We go up to a mirror looking for what the truth may be in ourselves and we go away and we, we're not anything like God. But the second person sees things as God sees them. And it takes a community church to wrestle through these things and to help one another along. James chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. But someone will say, you, well, you have faith and I have works. James says, show me your faith without works and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Well, good. Even the demons believe. And they shudder. What does it mean to live like a Christian? You act like one. Here we go back to the rule of life that we mentioned earlier. Now, the Israelites coming out of slavery in Egypt, they they needed rules. They needed rules to live by, to to form them into the people of God. That formation is, is key. That's why I say till I'm blue in the face that we are following and being formed by Jesus as the people of God today. And the Israelites, it was no different. They needed to be formed into what God was like to show the rest of the people in the world who God is and what God is like. And to do that, we have to have rules. This rule of life is integral. I mean, think about it. Many of us, I'm sure, have watched a lot of football over the last month. I know I have. And just think about that game without rules. It wouldn't work. We would have instance after instance like we had Monday night when the Buffalo Bills defensive back was, it was a terrible scene, wheeled off in an ambulance. When we look into Scripture, we see that there are requirements for how we are to live. James is uh, a perfect example of that. James has a lot to say about how we are to live. But ultimately, James gets this from Jesus and how Jesus lives. Jesus gives us the picture with how he lived. We must look closely into the word together and then live it out. That's how we honor what James is saying here. We're not just here to hear the word. We're blessed in doing it. Jesus alluded to this, and he didn't allude to it. He said it outright in Luke chapter 11, verses 27 and 28. Luke writes, as he was saying these things, a woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the... She was obviously enamored by Jesus, rightfully so. He was an amazing teacher, greatest ever. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you. 
He said, rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. What does it mean to live like a Christian? You act like one. Now, as we draw near to the end of our text in James 1, verses 26 and 27, they give us a picture of what this looks like. They give us a picture of good religion versus bad religion. Now, religion, I know the word, can have a very negative connotation, and that is fair in many cases. It, it's become, in so many cases, a, a word that denotes in a person or, or in a community just trying to, to please God in order to get good things from God, or even worse, they just want to be known as a religious person to get good things from the world. Wherein proper religion obeys God because of God's great love for us. This is where you might have heard teachers, and I think aptly so, juxtapose relationship versus religion. Think about it in terms of a, a parent and a child relationship. Religion says from the child's perspective, I messed up. My parent is going to kill me. Relationship says I messed up. I need to call my parents. Now think about that in terms of our relationship with God. I promise you God is like the latter. I recall being in a coffee shop several years ago. I've, this, this little anecdote gives me so much hope for my kids and my relationship with them. But I just a young man, he was obviously a, a Lipscomb or Belmont or Vanderbilt, some, some college in town. There are plenty of them here. And he was talking with another friend, and I could hear them from where I was standing in line. And he said... Uh, Oh, what did he say exactly? Oh, he said, my dad called me a little earlier. He asked me to go to Las Palmas with him tonight. Now, I'm going to go to Las Palmas with any of y'all, so that's not the point. But his dad called him and asked his son to go eat with him, and the, the kid said, I can't wait to go. I love it when my dad calls me and asks me to go eat with him. Relationship versus religion. Proper religion reveals that we are being changed. We are being transformed into who God desires for us to be. Look at the text in verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I'll borrow from Fred Craddock, who said it this way. If in reading the Bible, if in our understanding, our communal understanding of what God's rule of life is, if in reading the Bible we find justification in abusing, humiliating, disgracing, harming, or hurting, especially if it makes us feel better about ourselves, we are absolutely wrong. Titus 3, 1 through 3. 
Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. Paul didn't believe that this was easy to live like a Christian, and nor, nor do I, and I believe nor should we. It takes work. James is not just something throwing something at the wall here, hoping that it'll stick. He is pleading with the early church, and I am pleading with us today as well, that we would be people who desire for this to stick, for us to live out this rule of life. Yes, these words on a page, but more than that, these words on a page that come from Jesus, that help well up in our community here an understanding for how to do exactly what Paul is calling people to do there in Titus and what James is urging the people to do through his words. That we would have proper religion, thriving relationships founded in a single relationship with Christ himself. We had to email our fourth grader's teacher this week, Lewis, and it's a new teacher, a new teacher in the school, so we haven't really gotten to know her yet, but we really like her and we're really fired up that Lewis is being influenced by her, but we don't know her well yet, and I didn't know whether to put M-I-S-S or M-R-S, right, on the, on the email. I didn't know which it was. And it occurred to me that growing up, well, we just called everybody Miss, the ladies in the church. Miss Ophelia, my second grade Sunday school teacher, she brought orange juice every Sunday, a whole gallon. We drank the whole thing. Or Miss Vicky, who led our Bible drill group. Are you familiar with Bible drill? I was, I was so good at Bible drill. I sought to dominate the competition with my Bible memorization skills. mentioned Fred Craddock earlier. He, he spoke of um, a time when he was in a group of rather dignified seminarians. <laughs> and they were charged with coming up with, um, well, the single person other than their parents in their lives who had made the biggest difference in their lives, in their uh, formation into Christ-likeness. And he, he felt a little pressure doing this, trying to figure out who it was, but he, he, he figured it out, and he came up with someone that he was sure. And he felt like they were supposed to, you know, name a dignitary that they'd been around, some distinguished seminary professor or some great pastor. But Fred's answer was someone that he was sure they had never heard of. It was a woman named Miss Emma Sloan. Miss Emma was Fred's primary school Sunday school teacher. 
She actually stayed with his group for a long time because they didn't have a secondary school Sunday school teacher, so she just stayed right with them. She gave Fred his first Bible, and she wrote in the front, Fred, may, may this be a lamp under your feet and a light under your path. He said she, she taught them specifically to memorize the Bible, much like our Bible drill did when I was young. He said she taught them specifically to memorize, and she didn't spend a lot of time even explaining it or, or seeking to, to beat into them understanding. She would simply say over and over again, just put it in your heart. Just put it in your heart, Fred. And she would use the alphabet to teach them. And they would go around the room using the alphabet. They would say A. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words, what do they do? They stir up anger. Or B, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Or, or C, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. D, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. E, every good and perfect gift from above. F, for God so love. Okay, I'll stop. But I hope we could keep going. Maybe Bible drill wasn't so bad after all. I don't think that anything has made more of a difference in my life in those scriptures. You see, the Spirit, at just the right time, reminds me of them. Does it you, church? Do you know the Word? Are you familiar with this rule of life?